0: I'm Jonathan Bastian and this is Life Examined on KCRW. Astrology, there are a lot of opinions about it, but one thing's for sure, it's a mainstay in our culture. Nicholas Campion, a leading historian in the field, explains why it's endured for so long.
1: A lot of modern science argues that the world is meaningless and that's actually quite alienating for people. And astrology makes a lot of sense to people as a way of restoring individual meaning.
0: Then, is astrology filling a spiritual void for today's millennials? Astrologer Jessica Lanyado says they'll always be naysayers, but its appeal has skyrocketed over the last few years.
2: Astrology is, it's like the Wild West, right? There are no rules, uh, there are no gatekeepers. There's no barrier of entry really based on anything.
0: Stargazing, horoscopes, and our relationship to the cosmos, all ahead on KCRW's Life Examined. Since the dawn of time, people have looked to the skies and questioned their relationship to the universe. Astrology, the tracking of the planets and their relationship to the natural world, was perfected by the ancient Babylonians and has been practiced for over 4,000 years. For many people, astrology serves as a connection with the universe, an internal order rather than a greater external order provided by traditional religion. Historian Nicholas Campion is a leading authority in the study of astrology. In his book, Astrology and Popular Religion in the Modern West, Campion explores religion, spirituality, and the phenomenon of astrology in today's world. Far from being a marginal belief, astrology, he says, is now more popular than people imagine. Nicholas Campion, professor in cosmology and culture at the University of Wales in the UK, joins me now to talk about the history of astrology and how it provides a sense of purpose, belonging, and actually, he argues, makes us happier. Nicholas Campion, welcome to KCRW. We appreciate it.
1: It's a pleasure. Great to be here.
0: I know this is a rather big question and you've done a lot of research on this, but um in brief, how how do you kind of describe the history of astrology? Where
1: where does it come from? I, I think probably all conscious people going back the dawn of time have had some relationship with the sky. You know, the the sun rises in the morning, it brings light heat and a sense of security. So hundreds of thousands of years, but the complicated systems of astrology that we practice now developed in ancient Babylon from around 4000 years ago and achieved the form that we know now two and a half thousand years ago. So when people practice astrology now, it's changed a bit, but they're essentially using a tool that was perfected before the time of christ before the rise of the roman empire so it's got a pretty long history yeah and
0: what's the difference between astrology and astronomy because i know that there is quite a difference
1: there well they used to be completely linked Mm. so i always talk about astronomy as the measurement of uh positions of celestial bodies and astrology as the attribution of meaning or significance to those bodies. So, you know, once upon a time, you know, people only measured the positions of the celestial bodies, the stars and planets, because they wanted to know what they meant. Mm. And then, with modern science, the two became separated. So I see the difference as meaning and measurement.
0: And when did, I think, people get a notion that the our relationship to these planets, the measurements between them, the cycles of them, that they actually could um say something about who we are and about the meaning in our
1: lives. Yeah, I I think the the best way to start thinking about astrology is that it deals with the whole the, the greater environment. Mm. Um and all of us attribute some sort of meaning to our our local surroundings. I think even even if we're not supposed to, right. we do. Um you know, some people call that superstition, but actually Uh, We all do it. And what astrology does is just take in the bigger environment space. And in so doing, what it says to people is, well, you may be an individual, you may have your own thoughts and feelings, but actually you are part of a greater system, which, of course, we all are. None of us is divorced from nature or space and time and so there are rhythms and cycles and so we know that the rhythms and cycles of the sun and the moon obviously are crucial
0: right
1: without the sun there'd be no night or day um and so the assumption of astrology is that the movement of everything in the universe corresponds somehow to the movement of everything else so there's no idea that in astrology, really, that the stars or planets cause anything to happen. But everything's moving in some vast, synchronous dance, like a great, you know, cosmic ballet.
0: You know, it's so interesting. I mean, Nicholas, when you put it that way, I mean, I think it makes a bit more sense to think of we are a product of our environment. Oftentimes, though, we just think we're a product of the environment near us, what we can see, what we can feel. But I think that, what you're talking about is this much larger sense of connection to um, to 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 planets, to you know celestial yeah. bodies. I guess.
1: I mean, here's here's a fact which always grabs my attention, which is that every piece of matter and energy that we are made of has passed through three stars. So most recently, our own sun, and then two previous stars. So those stars would have been born and grown and then collapsed and the matter dispersed um and i I think that's an amazing thought and that's that's what underpins the old um phrase that we are stardust Hmm. because it's a nice poetic phrase i think it was in a song by Joni mitchell but actually it is true and so when all that energy and matter assembles in us as individual people and we you know we feel like we are who we are um in fact we're not really separate to everything else at all. we're completely connected on a very deep level yeah how does or I guess how
0: traditionally has the scientific community responded to these ideas because I sense there's been friction um, at least in the in you know the modern world
1: yeah um that's right the uh, scientific community generally frowns on astrology and it, it actually. Some scientists get more angry about astrology than most other uh, a- aspects of our society they could get angry about. <laughs> right, they regard right. astrology as uniquely a uh, sort of a bad thing. And um, there are sociologists who say that if you believe in astrology, it's you know, one step towards fascism. <laughs> um, and uh, scientists who will say that, well, if you believe in astrology, you're abdicating. Uh, control over your life, and then the result of that is you know you'll make terrible decisions get sick and, and so on. so there is friction between the two. I think that I mean what's interesting for me is that modern ways of looking at the cosmos do in fact assume that everything is interconnected and interrelated you know th- that's the consequence of the way Einstein thought and the the new physics. And a lot of academics also talk in the same way, anthropologists especially, about everything being connected, people right. being connected to nature and so on. Where people have a problem with astrology is the way that astrologers often give precise meanings mm. to, you know, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and so on. And so, you know, a scientists might have no difficulty saying, well, you know, we're all connected, but they would have a difficulty with people saying, well, you know, you've got a Mercury. Mercury and Venus are close together in the sky today, so, you know, you're likely to meet a new romantic interest.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess that kind of leads us to how it's been applied because I know there's there's this incredible diversity to it, whether it's kind of these generic horoscopes or um, people who think of themselves as more professionals. I guess in your mind, is there kind of a more authentic way or, or realistic way that this stuff is practiced that makes sense to
1: you? I, I would avoid terms like you know, authentic because mm. or, or, or real. A lot of people in, within the world of astrology... Do fight their own corners as to, you know, what's the best way to do it? To use a, you know, an old medieval way of looking at uh, horoscopes, or or are you a modern you know, sort of psychotherapist type or something right. uh, trying to advise people? There are ways of looking at astrology that do make more sense to me. I mean, honestly, a way of looking at astrology as the study of cycles and rhythms does make sense to me Mm. um a lot of astrologers look at past lives and reincarnation have to say that doesn't really make much sense to me um but it's it's all out there all those traditions can be traced back to the ancient world so they all have their own authenticity and even the horoscope columns if you you know look up your reading for the day whether you're an aries or a pisces Um, That particular form of astrology only dates back about 100 years. But the notion of having very quick and easy readings, well, would go back to the ancient world. You know, if you were hanging around in the streets of a city like Rome, um, there'd probably be fortune tellers in the street. And they could, you know, for a couple of coins, forecast your future on the basis of your birth date
0: right and can you give me another example of how astrology um would have worked or the role it would have played in an ancient civilization
1: what i'm always particularly interested in is the uh, astrology in ancient babylon and it was only practiced for the king it's not something for the common people and there's a whole class of priests all over the country so we're looking at basically modern iraq that's the area and the the priests would Look at the sky every night and they'd send in their reports to the king and they'd send reports to the king, to say, take this action or that action. Or sometimes if there was a particularly difficult alignment, they might tell the king to stay in the palace for a month, not go out or perform some uh, sort of ritual. Um, and there were cases when the, uh, the the priests actually disagreed with each other. So one lot of priests from one viewing point would send in a uh, an instruction to the king saying you know, do X, and another a lot of priests would send in an instruction saying do Y, and we've got old cuneiform tablets, letters from the from the king back to the priests with sort of irritation. Look, you know what exactly do you want me to do here? I can't right. do this. So it's really it's a real live um, human situation.
0: It's also interesting that in that story, it's mostly men that are working with astrology, because at least anecdotally these days, it seems that it's a field um, dominated by women. Is that true?
1: I think it is true. And it's not always been the case, because uh, before the modern world, you had to be pretty highly educated to be an astrologer. You probably had to do the, the maths to cast a horoscope you had to, before the 17th century, read Latin in order to read the texts. Mm. And so, you know, very few women received an education. There, there probably would have been at a folk level about which we know very little. There would have been the wise women who would have known all about the phases of the moon and so on. But at, a, at an elite level, no, it, it would have been men. Except, of course, look, if we're talking about North America, the um, First Nations all have their own, uh, ways, their traditions of ways of looking at the um, the planets and their customs, but of course modern astrology is it comes through from that whole Western current, and it is a fact that women are by far the major uh, users and practitioners. Hmm. And I think it's well, one can speculate on the reasons for that. It it may be that women are able to feel much more open about. A practice or a subject which is often considered to be more intuitive or less scientific, uh, whereas I think more men are far more likely to be inhibited mm. by this. You know, um, even now, yeah, you know, the boys brought I... up in a certain way, little girls in another way. So it's very much a gender issue. And mm-hmm. then, of course, when we look at astronomy, you know, the scientific study, then the proportions of men and women are reversed so many more men
0: yeah and and i think perhaps some women would say that they are more comfortable with the notion of cycles in their own life which we also see in astrology as well
1: i think so absolutely i mean there, there is um you know a rough correspondence between you know the menstrual cycle and the lunar cycle right which sometimes attracts a lot of attention people talking about it and so on but there's you know a, fun, a fundamental connection so you know men can if they live near tidal waters can see the moon pulling the water but they're not conscious of any effect in their bodies right. whereas you know women can be yeah. so yeah there's no it's a very big uh gender issue which i think is you know waiting to be explored and generally covered over it, it's an interesting point so that when Scientists get really angry about astrology, already contemptuous of it, or you know, say it leads to fascism or makes people stupid, or whatever. They're actually in terms of you know gender politics, treading on thin ground because they're talking about a practice which which is overwhelmingly female, you know. So so there's all there there's there are a lot of interesting you know social gender political questions around this yeah, as well.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, as we, you know, as we start to wrap this up, I, I wonder, you know, from, from your decades of looking at this, and as you take kind of a more of a philosophical lens into the subject, are we still looking for the same types of things? Are we looking for order? Are we looking to make sense of who we are? Is this why for thousands of years we just continue to turn to something that might be hard to explain uh, through everyday science, but, but we, we, we rely on and we need something from?
1: Yeah, look, I think so. I think everybody needs meaning. I mean, I think that most psychology assumes that people need meaning. No, know, yeah. psychologists write about uh, our search for meaning. And a lot of modern science argues that the world is meaningless. And that's actually quite alienating for people. And astrology makes a lot of sense to people as a way of restoring individual meaning. So, you know, people know that they were born with a the moon in capricorn and it means that they they search for emotional stability they straight away people have got a way of thinking about themselves that actually connects them to a larger reality so i think astrology does a job which religion doesn't do cuz you know religion most religions focus on some external greater order but astrology uh, has the idea of an internal order as well. And the internal order being completely integrated with the external order. So I I think that that's clearly it's, uh, it's appeal and that's the job it it does for people. And and I'm sure um, just like there are experiments that show that people who pray are happier, right. Or people who have a particular faith in something are happier. I bet it, you know, it, No one's done research into whether people who, you know, use astrology as a way of self-reflection are happier. No one's done that research, but I I would put my money on the fact that if they did, they'd find that uh, it it does make people, astrology does make people happier because it can just give them this sense of purpose and belonging in the universe.
0: right. And do you think that astrology does, I mean, have have the capabilities to kind of replace other parts of religion, which was, you know, uh, a guide into the future or a community I, or any of those yeah, other I, components?
1: I, I I don't really, because um, what other, what a lot of religion has, everything like about the classic religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, that great trilogy, uh, what they've Got is this uh, devotion to some sort of external law, and I think that provides a very, very profound, fulfilling function for many people. But it's it's different to I think the more contemplative sense of connection with the universe that astrology brings, which I think is more probably more connected to in its appeal to say Buddhism. Right. So I don't I don't think uh, astrology is ever a rival to any other system of belief or thought or religion. It it, it many people find a way to combine many different worldviews with no no problem. You know you you get you get religious leaders, scientific leaders, and so on, who will tend to say you can only believe what I tell you. But actually, most people don't pay much attention to those sort of rules. Most people construct their own belief systems and worldviews by drawing in ideas from wherever they find them, you know, from the YouTube, television, cinema, mm-hmm. newspapers, anywhere. And they'll construct their own mini cosmology, their own worldview.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think what you said is really fascinating about this um, this intersection or not between astrology and religion. And I think this notion that That religions look to an external source, but one they think is um, greater than the self that transcends the self. And I think there are some differences there.
1: Yeah, that's right. Whereas in the universe that underpins astrology, the self is fully part of the universe. Hmm. It's It's all connected. So if we go back to ancient philosophy, then modern astrology is based on major strands in classical Greek philosophy, the philosophers Plato and Aristotle and the Stoics, all of whom thought about the universe as being completely integrated, a single whole, but without the kind of external God you get in the monotheistic religions. Um, And so that's more the, the tradition that astrology comes out of. And you get that transplanted to India, where it becomes very compatible with Hinduism and Buddhism, and then China as well, Yeah, very compatible with Taoism, Confucianism.
0: Well, Nicholas Campion, um, thank you so much for this conversation. It was really fascinating. Um, We appreciate the time.
1: Well, thank you. I actually have really enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Nicholas Campion is Professor in Cosmology and Culture at the University of Wales in the UK, and author of Astrology and Popular Religion in the Modern West, Prophecy, Cosmology, and the New Age Movement. Still to come, young millennial Americans are some of the biggest users of astrology. In fact, one reporter says it's filling a spiritual void. That's ahead on KCRW's Life Examined. Stay with us. I'm Jonathan Bastian, back with Life Examined on KCRW. We just heard from Nicholas Campion about how astrology has been used for centuries to provide meaning and guidance, but how does this translate in 2020? This is something that Jessica Roy from the LA Times has been thinking a lot about. In her article, called How Millennials Replaced Religion with Astrology and Crystals, she says that young people are flocking to the practice, and as a result, the astrology business is booming. Roy argues that technology, disinterest in traditional institutions, and other factors have led to a resurgence in interest, something that hasn't been seen since the 1970s. Well, Jessica Roy, welcome to Life Examined. We appreciate the time.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, what got you so interested in writing about astrology? I mean, what what were some of the ideas behind it?
3: Sure. I started seeing it. It's one of those things where once you start noticing it, it's kind of everywhere. I saw people tweeting their co-star astrology predictions, and I saw people tweeting uh, pictures of like crystal setups in their houses. And I saw people, you know, posting on Instagram about tarot cards and things like that. And so I just decided to delve a little bit deeper and see what was behind that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, one of the really interesting things that you found is that there's a certain young American demographic that's really interested in this. This is the kind of millennial generation. So um, talk a little bit about kind of what, what you ended up finding.
3: So millennials, many of us feel profoundly alienated or disconnected from the traditional religions that we grew up with, whether it's Catholicism, Judaism, Buddhism. A lot of people feel like that religion that they grew up with doesn't represent them or their beliefs, or they have issues with the institution itself. And so, but the thing is that a lot of people still crave what religion offers, which is beyond just belief. It's a sense of community. It's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of there being something bigger in the universe than you. I mean, it's not a coincidence that every single human society throughout our history as a species has formed some sort of religious or spiritual belief. We still crave that. As human beings and so what a lot of millennials are doing as i found through reporting this story is just seeking different modalities to find that
0: right and one of those is astrology and i wonder kind of what it is about astrology that that makes it so so welcoming or something that can kind of take the place of maybe a a traditional religion
3: what i think people like about it is that you can find meaning and i think i think what a lot of people who are skeptical of astrology i'll start there will say is okay well they're just making stuff up and it's not they can't that stars can't predict your future based on what position they're in they can't tell you whether to invest or marry the person you're with and that's true but to me it's just a different reading horoscopes for a lot of people who believe in this sort of thing is just a different way to interpret what's happening to them and a different way to look for meaning you might see you might get a horoscope notification and say okay that doesn't mean anything to me or you might get it and it might speak to you it might be something profound in that moment and i think to me it reminds me a lot of i remember growing up seeing like bible quote a day calendars and Mm. i'm sure there are when you have one of those there are some days where the bible verse you're like whatever and there are some days where it's like wow that's actually really profound and applicable to the situation that i'm in to me this is similar it's just a different way of looking for that connection to your inner self.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think one thing you brought up there was the importance of technology in this, which is that people are getting these updates on their phones are getting it through social media. It's so easily shareable, which, of course, kind of plays into the culture of being a millennial, right?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think it helps astrology, crystal tarot's appeal that they are eminently Instagrammable. And, you know, people do like to share some of the co-star horoscopes in particular are very pithy or funny or silly. And it is fun to share those. And sometimes you'll read it and it'll, you know, be, it'll feel like a message from the universe to the exact situation you're in at that moment. And then sometimes it's like, be a tree and plant yourself. Or there was one that somebody posted that was just start a cult.
0: (laughs) It's funny. (laughs)
3: You have a good time with it. How how often do you get to say that about your last visit to church, you know?
0: Right, right. Well, I think, and it also kind of creates a little bit of confusion because some of it, I think, can be funny. Some of it's like, oh, you know, this celebrity is a Taurus, therefore he's this, obviously. But, you know, other people, I think, read a lot deeper into this. They try and make sense of their relationships through it. So, I mean, there's this huge kind of span of material out there, isn't there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I saw somebody refer to uh, Myers-Briggs testing as astrology for people with MBAs. And I I do think they're on the same continuum of personality tests in that we like to know ourselves better. I mean, think of how popular BuzzFeed quizzes were in the early 2010s. I mean, I I don't really care what kind of sourdough bread loaf I am, but I kind of want (laughs) to know.
1: I kind of care.
3: And to me, yeah, this is that same continuum of a way to explain the universe better i mean to me that's really what's at the core of it is that we all crave feeling like we have a place in the universe and that life isn't just random awful chaos i think especially in 2020 a lot of people are really hoping for some kind of deeper meaning for suffering uh and some bigger plan
0: yeah, well, I, and I think there's something kind of unique, I think, in the millennial condition with this. Well, I'm I I'm an elder millennial, I suppose, is what I would refer to myself as. But I mean, you know, a lot of my my friends graduated college during the Great Recession and so struggled to get jobs immediately. Others are now having their jobs kind of curtailed or transformed again via the pandemic. So I think there there is something, and I believe, you, you know, you spoke with a very famous astrologist, um, Chani Nicholas, who kind of pointed to this as well, which is that this generation in particular I think has seen a lot of curveballs thrown down at them and that um, trying to find some sense of order is important.
3: Yes, I think the millennial lack of faith in institutions goes way beyond religion. I think people feel a lack of faith in their government they feel a lack of faith. Some people with with medical professionals they feel a lack of faith that the systems that we were brought up to believe, are not true. You know, I also graduated during the great recession and yeah, how many people went to college and took out loans hearing that that was the ticket to a, 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 you know, middle to upper middle-class lifestyle and a great paying job and a house and, and just found right away that that wasn't true. I, it's not surprising to me that this is part of that, that lack of faith in institutions and yeah, millennials, I, I get it. I get looking for some alternatives to what we were brought up with in a lot of ways.
0: It just seems funny to me that astrology could potentially take the place of this. You know, I think, um, I don't know, because, right, there's so many questions to the science of it and to whether or not it works. And I think the knock on it is that you're just taking this stuff through blind faith, I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's true of any faith. I I think... I think looking for the science in it is thinking of it the wrong way. I don't, Mm -hmm. nobody that I interviewed was like, yes, the position of the stars can absolutely tell me if I should take this vacation. To me, many people were skeptical of it themselves. They would say they read their horoscope or they did their tarot cards. But again, it was really just a modality to interrogate what they were thinking about and to interrogate their inner selves as opposed to i am going to look at the position of my house in mars right now and figure out whether i should go for that big promotion or not i I think i mean that's the same as saying well you you do these religious things to bring prosperity in the new year but has anyone ever tested to see if they worked
0: that's a really interesting point. I mean, with any faith, right, we are placing a certain blind faith in something and perhaps believing in the planets is is no crazier than believing in certain saviors or gods or gods, I guess, right?
3: My grandmother would come back from the grave to strangle me if she could for saying it, but yes, I, I think that's true. I think you just have to think of it as a similar faith behavior and that the people who are very into it believe in it more as a faith uh, than as a science, that those two things are, are separate.
0: Well, what we're also seeing is, is a tremendous business model coming out of this as well. This is something you've been writing about as well, um, you know, that Silicon Valley is taking an interest in this. Um, can you talk a little bit about the research you did in, in just the, the, the finances behind this? Because it's kind of mind boggling.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not surprising that this is something that is popular on social media, and so Silicon Valley has definitely taken an interest uh, in terms of investment. Yeah, there have just been multi-million-dollar investments into horoscope and astrology type apps, and I, I get, ever since doing research for this story, I still get a ton of ads for like subscri- which lunar subscription candle boxes. Um, so there are definitely people trying to pivot this into a business model.
0: And I mean, where, where are you seeing kind of the biggest growths? So is it through, you know, is it individual astrologers that are kind of cashing in? Is it little business startups? So where is it kind of going?
3: That's a great question. You know, I, I think, yeah, I think astrologers are able to promote themselves in a different way. You know, one of the things that social media also does is it lets these people who enjoy these beliefs connect with each other in a way that they weren't really able to before. Because one one lingering question that I had with my reporting from this is, if you are Catholic, Jewish, Buddhist, whatever, you have a church and you have a community that you return to. And if you are a regular member and you stop going, people will check on you, that it is a lifelong community you are building. And I didn't see that as much with these newer communities, you know, people on Instagram posting about their tarot card readings, I'm just not sure that it's the same and that people are going to get that same thing that they're seeking from it. But I do think that in terms of a business model, being able to promote your tarot card readings on Instagram, I see people sell them on Etsy. Uh, You can Mm -hmm. buy tons of crystals on Etsy. There's a big market there. And then we see businesses like I interviewed the people who run House of Intuition, which started as just one little shop here in LA and is now you know, they were, when I spoke to them a year ago, planning to open stores in Miami and and super popular online store. I I do think the internet has made it a lot easier for people to make this a a business model.
0: Does it feel to you that we're in a little bit of a wild west with this and that, you know, there maybe are no traditional gatekeepers, therefore, you know, you get a, a range of people with credentials, lack of credentials, whatever credentials means in this world, I guess. But I mean, Um, that, that, I don't know, it it can be difficult to filter out maybe some of the more professional or non-professional players in this?
3: Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And that is, again, a difference between this and a traditional organized religion where you had, you know, some some evidence that the person at the top had, you know, had worked their way up to the top, as opposed to just, you know, having a super popular Instagram. Uh, That's definitely true. But I, I think people are drawn to authenticity in this and that also they they find what they're looking for i I guess that doesn't really make sense but if they find someone and they connect with what they're saying i guess it doesn't really matter if the person saying it fully believes it or not Uh, you know it was interesting i watched the um walter mercado documentary on netflix and i was actually interviewed for it because they were recording it right after the story came out and they didn't end up using my interview but it was so interesting watching the documentary and walter mercado talking about he never claimed to have any profound relationship to the stars but he wanted people to feel good he wanted people to have hope he wanted people to be positive and to have things to look forward to and people really connected with that and I don't don't know if I would having watched it would say oh he was a charlatan he was a faker because he didn't believe it he believed he was putting good out into the world and people got good from what he did
0: yeah and Walter Mercado by the way was a very famous Puerto Rican astrologist you just mentioned there you know Jessica I wonder speaking of that I mean do you find that in general astrology is a fairly benign field or is there some other kind of I don't know dark side to it we don't really know that much about
3: I would say for the most part, it's very benign. I think, you know, I talk about this in my article, but even the people who are into it are like, eh, I know it's weird, I know it's woo-woo or whatever, like I'm just having fun, and if I find something more profound, great, and if not, I can kinda chuck it. I I remember one of the people that I spoke to said, you know, if you buy a bunch of crystals and and read about crystals and, and light a candle and do some meditation, and then you're like, I'm not really into this. You can just have them as decoration. It's not like you went through the process of converting to a new religion. You can just Ah, kind of pick what works and whatever doesn't, well, it looks nice.
0: Well, Jessica Roy has been reporting on this for the LA Times, and she's been joining me here. Um, Thank you so much for the time today. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, now to hear from an actual astrologer working in the field and seeing clients. We're joined by Jessica Laniado. She was originally born in Canada, now lives in the Bay Area, and communicates with her thousands of followers through social media and her podcast called Ghost of a Podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. It's it's such an honor.
0: So we just heard from Jessica Roy from the LA Times. Talk about um, the importance of technology in this conversation and how you know smartphones and the internet perhaps um, have a big part to do with this resurgence we're seeing in astrology. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on this. Would you agree that this is a really important part of the conversation?
2: A hundred percent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, astrology is one of those things where it it kind of has its day in the sun cyclically throughout, uh, you know, throughout American, we'll just talk about the U.S., right? Uh, Throughout American society. And in the 1970s, you know, it was a really big deal, but there was no internet. Mm. And so the thing about having phones in our pockets, having, you know, this 24 hour day, seven day a week, just constant uh, access to news and, you know, brands pushing things at us is that there's there's just this endless need for content. And I definitely think that part of um, kind of the popularization of astrology has to do with more brands being motivated to have more astrology content because it brings people back. But then what happens, what happened in my view, um, is that it kind of, it, it sparked something in the populace and in particular in younger people. Um, so older millennials on down, right? And it sparked this interest because it's an access point to spirituality that is non-denominational, Um, it's an access point to spirituality that doesn't reject you. If you're gay, it doesn't reject you. If you, you know, are any of the number of things that a lot of people feel, um, repelled by religion around, Mm. right. Because there's a lot of judgments and there's a lot of rules with astrology. There is no real rules, right. Mm. Um, the, the, the kind of, I know this might sound silly, but it's almost like it's like this tracker, trapper keeper. I don't know if you remember those. Oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you, you can totally like you can personalize everything to you. It's a way to feel seen and to be validated for your uniqueness. And it's also a way to understand yourself in the context of your generation, in the context of the world around you and the struggles of the world around you. And so there's something that astrology offers each of us as individuals that is really, um, I think, very validating. And so what happened was people got really into astrology and they started studying. And because the Internet is in many ways very democratic, lots of people like myself, who are self-publishing astrological content, we didn't need to wait for a publisher to say, I'll I'll give you a book deal, right? Mm. We could start putting out whatever we wanted to put out. And so a hungry population of astrology fans started finding us uh, on social media and online in general. And it's it's really expanded the conversation so that not only do we have more astrology, but we have voices that have been marginalized. Yes, even also in the world of astrology, um, being able to kind of like, you know, take a seat at the table or just be like, I'm not sitting at that damn table. I'm going to go sit at my own table. (laughs) And people are coming. People are like, yeah, I'm interested in what's happening at that table. I'm going to go there. I didn't even know that table existed. So it's been a really exciting period. Although I will say a lot of older astrologers that I know who lived through the 1970s and, you know, the boom, and then the subsequent, uh, like the, the kind of like boom of astrology and then people kind of getting sick or bored of it. There's a lot of concern about the memification of astrology, which is an entry point for a lot of people, but also it's kind of not based in substantive astrology, and it it kind of validates the stereotype of astrology being, you know, fake or quackery um, or just. Not very, not very intelligent. Right. Um, so there's pros and cons to its popularity in general and its accessibility.
0: Well, there's a lot you said there that's really fascinating. I mean, this notion of, of millennials or, or other generations kind of um, uh, having astrology fill this kind of spiritual void in themselves, I, I, I find really interesting. But, you know, I mean, Jessica, what comes with that is also a tremendous amount of power too, by the astrologers Mm -hmm. themselves. And I mean, I'm just thinking that doesn't that raise some red flags, too, that suddenly we have these new uh, astrologers that that can kind of uh, sway people or influence people? Perhaps some have more training than others. It seems like there's a tremendous amount of gray area in that, too.
2: Agreed. Yes, 100%. I mean, listen, I am a big fan of critical thought. Huge fan big fan (laughs) and i think that a lot of times when people approach spirituality not just astrology but spirituality in general we have this way kind of habit of abandoning our critical faculties as a way to step into faith and i think that is problematic not just with astrology with religion as well and i i I do really worry because a lot of people will be like, oh, I've been studying astrology for a year or two and now I'm an astrologer and I have, you know, 100,000 fans on social media. And that is dangerous. And it does not actually um, it's not possible to be an expert in anything, in my view. After only a couple of years of study or practice, you know, uh, the kind of rule of the 10,000 hours to get to a state of mastery. Sure. I, I think it applies to all things, including astrology. Astrology is, is very much um, it's like the Wild West, right? There are no rules. Uh, there are no gatekeepers. And that's part of what makes it so exciting and so cool. And also it's part of the risk and the danger. You know, there's no barrier of entry based on class. There's no barrier of entry really based on anything um, other than your willingness and ability to study. But because there's no gatekeepers, there is also there is a lot of quackery. There is a lot of um, there is a lot of things to be critical of. And I think that, you know, from my perspective as an astrologer, the thing that I see a lot in mainstream media is that a lot of the people who are doing the criticism don't know anything about astrology? Mm. <laughs> They're not experts in astrology, and that is part of I think the problem. Which kind of gets me to something that I'll just say it and 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 you'll see I'll see what you think sure. of it. But um, you know, my experience I've I've been you know an astrologer for my full time living since 1999. Um, I've worked with thousands of clients over the years. And I work with a lot of people who are not per se very spiritual or even really believe in astrology. I personally don't believe in astrology. It's a tool that I use because it works. So I will say that a lot of my clients, the first thing they'll say when they sit down for a consultation with me, for a first-time consultation in particular, is, I don't really believe in this, but I'm just, I think this will be fun. I think this will be interesting. And I've seen a lot of press where it's like, well, we're writing about astrology, but we don't really... Don't worry, we didn't drink the Kool-Aid. There's this way that um, there's this kind of stereotype of, about astrology that it's silly and it doesn't require study and, um, and intelligent people are critical and don't take it seriously. And that is perpetuated by people who are not experts being the only ones to define astrology, mm-hmm. right? And it's something that I see a lot and I haven't seen gotten much better Actually, even through the popularity of astrology, it's, just, it's something that I think about a lot. Is for those of us who are using tools, any spiritual tools or self help tools, but we're also minimizing those tools. We're also criticizing those tools, not in a kind of a, a critique based way, but in a kind of emotional way of like, "Don't worry, I'm smarter than this." Then, then we have like a actually a spiritual crisis. And I think that that's pretty consistent with the gener- like kind of the internet generations of millennials and younger it's It's hard to not be really critical of everything because these generations are so saturated by data from mm-hmm. the from the get-go, and they're the first generations in human history <laughs> that have had this experience and And I do think astrology. Is is actually a part of that, and and a really interesting part. I, I I don't know if that exactly makes sense, but
0: yeah, there's there's a lot in there. I mean that 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 you got me thinking about, and I I think you're right that a lot of people do um, project a kind of simplistic notion of what it is, and and I think one of the things that may come up, and I want to get your thought on this too, is that this notion that the astrologist is again kind of Um, projecting a reality upon someone versus the asking of questions of someone versus the the process of self-inquiry. And I mean, that's something that's always kind of, um, you know, uh, posed some questions in my mind. Is that something you could address?
2: So if an astrologer says to you, if you're sitting down with an astrologer and the astrologer says to you, okay, well, you know, what do you do for a living? And are you partnered? You know, just to kind of orient themselves around, like, where are you in your life? Many people will be like, "Oh, this astrologer is fishing." They're just trying to—they're just trying to like know something about myself. Mm. Um, and I've had clients like that, of course I have, and they just have their arms crossed across their chest, and they're like, "You tell me, you tell me," and that is a waste of their time, energy, and money because there's a way that whether we're talking about astrology or psychic content, it's—it's it's illusionary. It's—it's it's fantastical to think. That a person, an astrologer or a psychic, can know all the things about all the people at all the times. <laughs> that's that's not how anything sure. works. And so, you know, being able to to make sure that um you give the information that you feel comfortable giving. But if you're gonna be in an experience, there's a difference between I think testing, defensively testing, and Having discretion, you know if that astrologer then just goes off of things you say okay fine that 's not great, but if that astrologer then is able to uh name things that you haven 't told them, then that 's really useful. It can be very useful to you uh, does that does that address your question
0: yeah, I think so i mean it 's partially this this notion i like, i i think i 'm just always i 'm always a bit um wary when 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 I, when I feel like we, people or myself are losing a power over their lives or a freedom mm. over their lives, as if we can be put in certain boxes and therefore uh, these boxes have control over us. And I think maybe that could be more in a simplistic notion of a horoscope or something. But but I think that, that that's, I think, where I, I come from in that, in that conversation.
2: It, in a way, what you're speaking to is, is like this really important question of predestiny versus free will. Yeah. And I, I will say that, you know, it's not like astrology is an ideology. It's really not. It's a tool. And so my take on that is going to be really different than a different astrologer's. But my take on that is we all have free will. But what we don't have is the ability to access our free will from any, from any vantage point. In mm. other words, I was not born— into the Hilton family. I do not have the privileges of any of the Hiltons. You know what I mean? So my free will does not include, I don't know, yachts or inheriting millions or billions of dollars, right? So I can use my free will from within my circumstances. And what astrology does is it describes the circumstances you were born into. It describes your nature, your struggles and your assets. And then it describes the cycles and trends of development that you're going through and therefore what you're kind of working with when you determine what to do or what not to do um, in your life. And so for me, astrology does not in any way curtail your free will. Mm. But I think what astrologers can do <laughs> is frame things in a way that curtails your free will or makes you feel like something is going to happen. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that kind of comes back to your question about, you know, uh, how do you find somebody who is Practiced and studied enough that you can really trust them with your vulnerability, and I'm afraid I don't have a perfect answer for that. Um, I don't think there's a perfect answer that for that finding a therapist, a conventional like psychotherapist either. Though you know, it's it's part of being a person. You gotta you gotta uh, trial and error it.
0: Well, you know, some people say that, you know, seeing an astrologer is uh, like going to therapy, but it can be much more effective. Some say it could be much faster. So, I mean, do you feel comfortable taking the role, let's say, of a therapist, albeit with a different name?
2: Absolutely slash also. (laughs) I am very firm and very clear with my clients that consulting with an astrologer is not uh, the same as or equal to meeting with a licensed professional, uh, a licensed mental health professional um, or a doctor. Right. And that it is essential. So at the beginning of every first time session, I reinforced to the client um, that their job is to have critical thought during the hour. And mm. even if i say eight things where you're like, oh MG, this is shocking. How did she know it? This has healed me. I could say two wrong things. And it's our job um, to have critical faculties and to stay that way. So that said, um, yes, astrology, I believe, is highly therapeutic. And um, I have a lot of clients who experience my work as um, as, as a form of therapy. Yes.
0: Mm. Why do you think people look to astrology in such uncertain times, like the one that we're in right now? A pandemic, a big election, a financial uncertainty. Um, Why is this the time for it?
2: In times of uncertainty like this is always when astrology becomes more popular. Um, It's because astrology charts cycles of development over the course of time. And astrology, it allows us to understand not only the time we're in, but how it is rooted to a cycle in the past. Right. And that actually gives us really powerful tools for understanding where we are and planning for what comes next. And I think that is really, really fascinating. Hmm.
0: Well, I guess just as we wrap this up here, you know, for those that are interested in this that may still be skeptical, you know, what? What's your what's your takeaway for those listening that that are are just just curious about this mm-hmm. and maybe that there's something that you know you you could clarify for them in that I guess,
2: mm. you know I think if you're curious and just really not sure what you think or honestly if you're like oh this is all this is I know exactly what I think this is stupid this isn't real um, in both of those cases I would say educate yourself you know and what educating yourself looks like is not scrolling through social media accounts that have the word astrology in them it's you know grab a book you know uh, maybe listen to a lecture you can listen to a podcast like mine um, where I really unpack astrology and I don't just talk about sun signs um, so mine is ghost of a podcast there are other great astrology podcasts out there um, the astrology podcast is a really technical astrology podcast um, there's a lot of content out there and a lot of it is free and you know so I think i think that there's research to be done, just like with anything else. I I think it's wise to be critical and I also think it's wise to be inquisitive, you know. The world is big and astrology is really old. It has been around, you know, throughout time. And and so to kind of like throw it away because of sun sign horoscopes, to me, you know, you know, not everyone has to like astrology or be interested and that's okay. But Sunshine horoscopes are not what astrology is. They're just the part of astrology that you've been exposed to. Hmm.
0: Jessica Laniato, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate it.
2: I really appreciate it too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, that's all for today. The producer of Life Examined is Andrea Brody. You can listen to this and other episodes on your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, leave us a review. Tell us what you think. You can also email me your feedback directly at jonathan.bastian at kcrw.org. To learn more about our guests and this topic, check out our webpage. That's kcrw.com lifeexamined. I'm Jonathan Bastian. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week.